0: Log Talk Radio. Back in 1982, man, it was real cool and schooling. We got good grades Like straight up babes The parents will take us To a 76 game I got my game And there ain't no shame Big shots The Cheeks And Moses Malone Julius Server Called Philly home Bobby Jones That Dawkins And Tony Sinking freeze. Rocky by comes from South Philly But if you wanna make it On time to the show There's only one road That you really have to know So get to Fishtown Without all that job I suggest that you drive on I-95 Wanna get downtown But feeling a fix Get on that road They call 676 The most expensive the best piece of they ever made about the same thing was what they got to gain.
1: Hello and welcome to the post-draft and free agency edition of the State of Independence podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McBeniman of Metro Philly, alongside ESPN True Hoop writer, Michael Kasky Blomain. As always, you know, you can add our podcast on the app, Stitcher, and make sure to follow us on Twitter at 76ersReport. Mike, you know, what a night it was, I was in bed and, you know, I, I get a Twitter message about... Dario Sarge potentially being traded, you know, I jumped right onto to Twitter to see, you know, Stauskas, Thompson, and Landry to Philly um, for, you know, a Euro player to be named. When it's all said and done, you know, the Sixers get a top ten protected first rounder in 2018, the right to swap first rounders in 2016 and 2017, as well as the rights, um, you know, for – for, you know, kids here and yeah, I mean it, it was just a crazy, crazy night. Um, you know, the Sixers only gave away Arturis Godaitis and Luka Mitrovic. Uh, you know, what what do you think of this deal, Mike? And does it give the Sixers um, you know, some some extra firepower here moving forward?
0: Yeah, absolutely Jeff. I mean, it was a it was a home run deal for the Sixers. I was uh, you know, I was also I was home. I wasn't in bed, but I was just uh, you know, hanging out watching TV and I you know happened to be on Twitter when I saw, you know, when it first broke and I was uh, you know, super excited after, you know, the it was a quiet um first uh, you know, 12 hours of free agency for the Sixers there. Um You know, not that people really expected them to make any sort of big moves, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, they had a lot of cap space that they were sitting on, and, uh, you know, this is exactly what they, the type of thing that they had been saving up for. Um, You know, Stauskas is a guy that they, you know, they've been rumored to want since even before last year's draft. You know, they picked three and ten. Three were too early to take him by ten, and, you know, he was gone off the board already. But, you know, you get him only a year later going into his second year, um, along with, you know, that future first round pick and the ability to, you know, switch picks in this, uh, the two coming drafts, which is, you know, just ex- extra insurance, uh, especially two years down the road when maybe if the Sixers might be trending upward and the Kings, you know, if they landing in the lottery and end up with a, uh, you know, a lot lower pick than the Sixers, that would be really nice down the road. Um. You know, and it was all for just, uh, as you alluded to, just absorbing the contracts of, uh, you know, Jason Thompson and Carl Landry, two solid players, you know, whether or not they fit in the long-term plan with the Sixers is yet to be seen. But, you know, for as long as they stick around and they can certainly contribute and if not might have, uh, you know, some value down the road on the trade market. So, uh you know, the the Sixers had that cap space, and uh, if if they weren't going to be able to use it to necessarily acquire the big name guys like a Jimmy Butler or a Kawhi Leonard, then uh, you know, using it to using it to um, as in a salary dump for another team to get an asset or two that you you know had your eye on like Stout gets it's a uh, you know it was just a great deal for Hinkie. I think uh, you know, every review of it I read was positive from the Sixers side. Um, you know, even national guys that have been giving the Sixers some grief over the past couple of years, uh, you know, they're all in agreement that it was a good deal. So I think, uh, you know, after an already exciting week in uh, Sixers Nation, I think that that trade gives the the fan base something further to be excited about.
1: Yeah, and on the other side of the ball, you know, people are already saying that the Kings are trying to become the Nets West, you know, just uh, clearing the salary to bring in – um, these these veterans on large scale scale deals. You know, you heard Rondo and Wesley Matthews. Um, you know, Monta Ellis before that, but you know, he's headed to the Pacers here. Um, you know, just uh, when when you have a rebuilding team like the Sixers and you see a team try to go for the home run like this in free agency, um, just what are you thinking about right here um, with this this King's deal overall?
0: Yeah, I mean it's definitely a head scratcher, you know, it kind of shows the difference between where the two organizations are at. I don't know if, you know, I don't want to say the Kings are necessarily delusional, but they're, uh, you know, they're clearing this cap space for free agents that don't necessarily seem to be there, or if they are there, don't necessarily seem to be lining up to want to go play in Sacramento. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's, this confusion it seems and turmoil within the organization uh you know there's the rumors between uh you know coach carl uh, not getting along with the marcus cousins wanting him traded and then you know uh the carl was potentially going to be let go and there's just a lot of you know it seems a lot of internal turmoil within the kings and uh you know they're desperate to uh clear cap space for one reason or another and that's you know that's Exactly what um you know the sixers are kind of build towards kind of building toward to take advantage of um you know take advantage of a desperate team like that just to you know you have that cap space take on a couple of contracts that somebody doesn't else somebody else doesn't want in the, you know able to get rid of and uh you know take a couple assets for them, you do that a couple times as uh you know Hickey is you pull off a couple of nice you know, nice trades in a, in a similar manner, whether it be like, uh, you know, the, the trade a couple of years ago with Drew holiday or more recent example with the, uh, acquisition of JaVale McGee. But, um, you know, he's, uh, mm-hmm. with the cap space that he's acquired, it's just, it's allowed the Sixers to, uh, you know, kind of take advantage of desperate teams, which, you know, with, uh, the Kings seem to be, if they're really intent on keeping cousins in Sacramento, that kind of puts them in the, uh, you know, in the win-now mindset, he, you know, he's already been been in the league for quite a few years, and I'm sure he doesn't want to continue floundering on, on a Sacramento team that's rebuilding, which, you know, that puts pressure on the organization and put players around him that can win now. And, uh, you know, when that's the case, then, you know, for, as with the Sixers, their pressure to win now isn't there, and the cap space is, and they can take full advantage.
1: Yeah, and, I, I mean, just rave reviews for the trade across the league. Um You know, obviously the first rounder in 2018 and Stauskas are kind of the wins uh, for this trade. Um, The right to swap the the first rounders could come into play in the next two drafts as well. Um, But really I'm just thrilled about the Stauskas um, pickup. You know, I'm in love with shooters. Um, I saw a video of this kid play today on YouTube Him just, you know, draining 70 out of, uh, you know, 76 three-point attempts in five minutes, um, you know, with his f- friend filming in the background. You know, love his form, love his size. Um, I mentioned on Philadelphia today the Day how he struggled last season for the Kings, you know, averaging just 4.4 points in 15 minutes per game while shooting just uh, 32.2% from outside. But, you know, the kid went through three different coaches in his rookie year, And his minutes were toyed with constantly between, you know, him and Ben McLemore. But, you know, as Derek Bodner pointed out today, you know, he showed a bit of life in the second half this season, upping those numbers to 6.6 points in 19.4 minutes while shooting 42% um, from beyond the arc. And, you know, he's a 44% shooter in his two years at Michigan. Um, He may be somewhat limited in terms of, you know, putting the ball on the floor and attacking the rim but I don't think the Sixers have had a pure shooter like this since, you know, Kyle Korver. Uh, you, you may say uh, Jason Capono or Robert Covington, you know, they're they're very good shooters, but I don't know if they've had someone at this level since, uh, you know, Kyle Korver was here. What are your thoughts on that, though?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would have to agree with you that uh, they certainly haven't had a, a shooter of this caliber. I mean, I, you know, Covington is, certainly up there he has more time to prove himself but you know it's exciting because Stauskas is it's the type of guy that uh you know the Sixers they've desperately needed and now especially need going forward with uh you know since they've established such a the front court of you know Embiid, Noel, and uh, Okafor three guys that are going to be in the post and uh demanding attention they're going to need obviously shooters around them to you know to kick the ball out to and you know, as you mentioned, Stauskas isn't necessarily the best at creating for himself or putting the ball to the basket, but one thing he can absolutely do is knock down shots, either, you know, right off the catch or maybe off one dribble, knock down. And, uh, you know, the acquisition of him just gives you visions of Okafor getting double-teamed in the post and, you know, kicking it out to Stauskas on the wing, who knocks down a three. Um, you know, it's only, you know, his, you mentioned his rookie year being kind of up and down. I think it's uh, a lot of that is a matter of environment. Um, you mentioned he had three coaches, and and I, as I had alluded to, a lot of turmoil um, within the organization. Sacramento, you know, whereas the Sixers, I think, are currently in a you know a situation of nurturing, um, you know, and development and bringing in a lot of young guys. I think it's a really good atmosphere for a young player to be in. You know, a second-year player like that of such high caliber should fit right in with the. You know, the group of guys that the Sixers have assembled here, they're all young, hungry guys, you know, fresh in a couple years in the league, brand new, looking to make a name for themselves. You know, a lot of them, other than the guys that the Sixers have taken um, with their own lottery picks, a lot of these guys have been, you know, cast away from somewhere else, whether it be Robert Covington, Daniel, or, or uh, you know, now Tony Roten, or now um, Stauskas. And I think, uh, you know, it's uh, he'll certainly have an opportunity in Philly to um, – you know, make a name for himself and improve upon those numbers and, uh, you know, just do what he does best, shoot and develop his game. And I think, uh, you know, I think that the uh, the atmosphere and the situation for him to grow as a player might be a little bit more um, conducive for him here in Philly than it was potentially last season in Sacramento.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the, the almost forgotten parts of the trade, you know, everyone thinks that they're just coming over for the salary reasons, but, You know, with with Thomas Robinson being rumored now to sign with the Nets, um, you know, word is that the Sixers will end up, you know, keeping both Jason Thompson and Carl Landry. Do you think either one of them might be able to kind of replace Robinson's production here in Philly? And, uh, you know, what do you think of their game?
0: yeah absolutely I mean I have nothing but positive things to say about Thomas Robinson's time here in Philly um you know it was rumored right at the beginning at the acquisition that he wasn't necessarily happy to be here but uh you know from the day the first time that we saw him here practice in Philly you wouldn't get a sense of that he you know he worked extremely hard for the Sixers um you know generated a lot of extra possessions a lot of extra second chance points for the team and uh you know, gave it his all. Actually, I just saw before we hopped on the air here that he, uh, you know, he tweeted out a message. Um, you know, after the news of, as you mentioned, him signing with Brooklyn, who had been, you know, long, long wanting to add him. That, uh, you know, he he tweeted something along the lines of, you know, thanks for all your support, Philly. It was, you know, you guys, it was a great home to me or whatever. And uh, you know, I, I feel good about his time here. It's not necessarily sad to lose him. And. uh You know, especially as you mentioned uh, with two guys like Landry and Thompson, who can uh, certainly step in. You know, Carl Landry is a great, a great player that can do a lot of things that Robinson did on the offensive glass in terms of second chance opportunities. And is also probably um, you know a little more polished on the offensive end. Um, you know same with Jason Thompson kind of just like a, a glue guy that can get in there give you you know a solid eight points eight rebounds get in there um, you know generate second chance points move the ball around he won't really demand that you know the, he doesn't need to play call for him or the ball or anything so uh, you know they're two guys that if if they do end up sticking around Philly for a little while could probably certainly uh, slide in and get some front court minutes alongside uh, of you know some of these younger guys and Okafor and Noel they're that the team's trying to establish, and uh, you know, if not, um, if they're going to be traded eventually, I'm sure, especially down the road, maybe toward the trade deadline, a guy like Carl Landry um, could have some value to a uh, you know a, a contending team that needs a uh, you know more depth in the front court or something like that.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, definitely, you know, Jason Thompson. It's almost like a homecoming for him. You know, he's from South Jersey. He went to Lenape and then played, you know, college ball at, at Ryder. Um, you know, he's a career 9.7 board type player who, you know, really hustles on the court. You know, I feel bad for the guy because he's been stuck on the Kings for seven years. <laughs> you know, uh, you know he's almost had to uh, have that Thaddeus Young type role over there where you're just constantly in a rebuild and you don't really know what's going on, um, you know, with the, the upper management Um, But from many I've talked to and from what I've seen from him, he's a, you know, hard hat type guy. He comes to work. He's professional. And he's a vet that maybe some of these younger guys on the team can look up to. And I think, you know, there's some value in that. You know, Landry, he's the same way. Um, I, I feel like he's gotten some bad luck in terms of injuries over the years, but you know he's a pretty polished offensive player um and both of them can rebound so you know that that can help um in terms of you know Robinson on his way out bring some energy and um you know help out uh, Jalil's transform you know um transfer into the NBA and just the overall product of play from the younger guys um but you know before i get into really the sixer draft recap uh, which we haven't, you know, had the opportunity yet to talk to, talk about on the show. Um, what do you think about the rest of free agency so far? And are you surprised the Lakers and Knicks really aren't drawing any of the big time, uh, you know, names here in free
0: agency? Uh, I mean, not really, to be honest. There's really nothing uh, enticing about either of those situations. Um, if I'm a big time free agent right now, other than. You know, the history and the lore of the franchise, and that can only go so far. You know, if, I mean, if you're not interested in in that, you know, for a lot of these players, the Knicks haven't been good, um, at least, you know, a championship team in their entire lifetime. So, you know, it's especially considering what it looks like now with Carmelo and Phil and a lot of questions around them, it just, it, it's not like a situation the players would line up to go to. Um, compared to some of the other destinations. But, um, you know, a lot of the signings that have happened, it, it's, it hasn't been too surprising. Uh, I mean, you know, there's obviously been a couple of shakeups. I, I really thought, honestly, that Dwayne Wade would, would uh, end up elsewhere this summer. But, uh, you know, shortly before we got on, it was announced that he was signing a, a re-upping with the Heat for one year. Um, you know, that, so that keeps that, the Miami core looking pretty much the same as it did last year. Um there's no real surprises out in Cleveland. You know, there was people were wondering whether Kevin Love, um, you know, or Iman Shumpert would end up leaving. They're both coming back. So overall, I mean, we still have to wait and see where Lamarcus Aldridge goes. He's obviously taking his his sweet time making a decision there. And uh, you know, that'll be a, a balance shifter to some extent. That's um, depending on what team he goes to. But you know, overall, I would say there's no no big surprises. Uh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I heard Brian Windhorst today refer to the Lakers as, you know, sitting at the kitty table um, at free agency. Uh, you know, they're they're last in the league in analytics. They're kind of an old school franchise with an old star. Um, you know, they reportedly talked to Aldridge about, you know, the glitz and glamour of LA without even discussing a fit with the team. Um, which is why, you know, apparently they begged him to come back today for an interview. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really a changing of the times in the NBA. You're seeing a lot more loyalty and, you know, this year's free agency compared to years past, there aren't really many big names leaving, um, their respective cities. Obviously Aldridge will, will be a big name when he eventually leaves, which seems to be the case here. Um, you know, um, Carroll left for Toronto. Um, you know, there there were a couple surprises, but everything kind of went according to plan otherwise. And, um, you know, the, the teams you, you thought might make a big splash, like the Lakers and Knicks, you know, people are, are looking at their teams now, seeing their roster, seeing their management, and, you know, not believing that, you know, the lifestyle off the court is as valuable as winning and, you know, chasing down that, that championship run. Um, so, you know, it's a different NBA now. And I I feel like LeBron James, um, kind of paved the way in that sense, you know, going to something that isn't necessarily the best destination, but really, you know, trying to put that winning team together that can get over the top, um, but, you know, once again, this is the State of Independence podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McFeniman, alongside Michael Katsky, Blomain. And, you know, speaking of the Lakers, um, my heart stopped on draft night. I'm still shocked. You know, D'Angelo Russell went to them at number two. I'm um, kind of warm now to Jalil Okafor being on the roster in the day since. But, you know, I, I still don't know if he's necessarily the best fit here. What was your initial shock level, you know, when Russell was taken? And what do you think of the Okafor pick overall?
0: Yeah, I'm with you on the uh, the surprise factor there. I mean, uh, you and I had both been, you know, uh, very adamant that we had wanted, you know, Russell to be the pick for the Sixers. And, uh, you know, it's tough to decipher through the different reports, but it looked for a while there, even on draft day um, or right before that, they were going to go with Okafor, and that Russell would be available there at three for the Sixers, and the Sixers had kind of, you know, honed in on him as the selection. And then, you know, obviously on draft night things went a little bit differently. Um, you know, I was following along with the draft, uh, you know, on on Twitter, so the the pick wasn't, uh, you know, a as, as surprise as it. When it when it happened live, as is the case. If uh, you know, for anyone that follows along with the draft, the picks, uh, you know, they always, I often get flipped like a couple of minutes before live time. So I had a minute to sink in before the you know it was actually announced. And at the time, it was a lot of disappointment. Um, you know, a week later, with a lot of time to look back on it, it's still. I mean, I still would have preferred to have Russell on the team. Just you know, because I think he has potential to be like a, a really dynamic perimeter player you know, which would, you know, just be big for the Sixers and compliment what they have already established there and Noel and Okafor and some of the other guys. But, you know, it wasn't any sort of anger at the team. It wasn't a situation where they, they passed it, passed on Russell for a guy like Porzingis or Hazonia. Um, you know, that that's something that I, as a fan, from the fan perspective, would have really angered me. Uh, you know, was a different different situation. You know, Russell was off the board, and and in that situation, I think I think they did the right move. I really I think they took the best available player. Um, you know, Okafor, you know, was projected to be top pick in the draft for a lot of the year going up to it. A lot of people were saying that he was definitely the top prospect coming out, and um, you know, he has he has potential to be something special. He really has potential to develop into an all star in Philly. Um, So, in that regard, I'm excited about it. Obviously, there's still questions remain about his fit alongside Noel, and Saric, whenever he um, comes over from Turkey. But, you know, those are questions for another day at this point. Um, You know, I I am behind the decision to draft him. I do think player. And then, um, you you know, you start to look at some of the guys that went directly behind him. Obviously, Porzingis and Hazonia were the next. And then Kali Stein and Moutier, Stanley Johnson, it just seems like there's a, a, a decent talent gap between the top three, um, you know, in Carl Anthony Towns and Okafor and Russell, and then the the next guys. Not that they're not potentially great players, but it just seems like those three guys, um, you know, have the biggest all-star potential and potential to really be, all three of them I feel like have potential to be perennial all-stars, dynamic type players, um, you know, in, in this early state of the rebuild that the Sixers are in without, you know, a true established team and, and there's a guy like that on the board. You, you you have to take him pretty much, you know. And you, he's a, a building block. The Sixers, you know, Henke and uh, Brett Brown have referred referred building blocks, um, you know, going forward. And Okafor is a guy that you can build the team around. Um, you know, especially in light of question marks around the Embiid, we don't know exactly what's going to happen there. I think, uh, you know, I think they they made the wise decision to take in taking Okafor. And as much as I would have would have liked it to have been Russell. At this point, you know, I think I'm just embracing Jalil being, being in Philly, and I'm excited to watch him play in summer league.
1: Yeah, and Okafor already being, um, you know, said by Bavada Las Vegas to be the favorite um, to win rookie of the year. I believe it's seven to two. Joe Joel Embiid is actually sixth on the list uh, as a ten to one favorite. Um, you know, uh, Okafor, he's – you know, dominant player, like, like Kinky said, you know, this draft was between three players. Um, and, you know, you didn't say who, but you'd, you'd have to imagine that's Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Jahlil Okafor. And, you know, to get one of those guys, you, you can't be too upset, especially a guy like, like Okafor, you know, who averaged 17 points and, you know, eight rebounds last season for Duke, led them to a national championship and just his freshman year there. And, um, you know, he's just a, a huge old school center. People think he, he's taken the best, um, qualities from team Olajuwon and Tim Duncan on offense and kind of merged into one. Um, and, you know, his hands are apparently massive, you know, can, can hold 12 tennis balls, uh, in one hand, which is ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's just a big guy. I'm excited to see what he can do in summer league, you know, playing in both summer leagues here. And, yeah, you know, it, it'll be an interesting fit to, to see how it works out with Noel here. You know, I, I think he has enough offensive moves to, you know, turn the corner on on some of these wins and losses for the Sixers. And, you know, they were desperately needing a post-scorer last season Um, you know Noel was never that guy so to add that to to the team now I I think it's only going to help you know a lot of critics have been kind of knocking him down the peg saying that you know he this isn't the style of the game anymore that um, you know stretching the the offense out to the three-point line is kind of the, the way to win in today's NBA but you know why not give this a shot why not see what you can get out of him and, you know, make it work. Um, you know, he, he's a great talent. He's never been a loser in his lifetime. So, you know, why not give him the chance here? And, you know, I, I'm all for the pick. Um, but, you know, with the acquisition of Okafor, um, one of our, our mainstays on the team um, is on his way out, uh, you know, Henry Sims. I'll give the eulogy here for uh, he kind of reached his full potential here in Philly. It seemed like as a rotational front court player, uh, you know, he was really kind of that first player Hinkie acquired through a trade that actually made some kind of impact on the team. You know, he had a, a sweet jump shot from around the free throw line, solid defender and rebounder, a uh, hard worker, a lot of respect here. Mike, you have, uh, you know, fond memories of Henry's time here.
0: Yeah, actually I do. I mean, he's a guy that in Sixers lore will go down and largely forgotten. Um but, you know, I, I thought he was he was always solid when he when he went when he played in the, you know, in there he spent some time as a starter. Um I think it was last season, uh 2013-2014 he started like stretched like 25 games there. He ended up putting up solid per game numbers close to 10 like uh, you know, eight and uh, I think he was around seven rebounds a game, but uh You know, he was a guy that necessarily, like you said, he kind of he probably reached his peak in Philly. He uh he is he's meant to be a rotational big guy, and I think there's definitely NBA life for Henry Sims down the road. Um, you know, coming in and just giving a giving a starter starting frontcourt player a spill, he can um, you know, he can rebound, he can finish around the rim. He actually has an impressive touch to his shot that you wouldn't necessarily expect um, given his stature or watching him. He kind of has a Non-traditional form, but up to, you know, 15 feet there, he's pretty reliable at knocking down um, jumpers and a decent foul shooter as well. So, I mean, you know, he, he's obviously an odd man out considering the talent that the Sixers have met in the front court. Um, He, he wasn't going to, you know, hold a spot over a Jalil Okafor or a New Orleans Noel or an Embiid, but, you know, he I thought he played well during his time here with the Sixers and uh you know I wish him well going forward and I definitely think there's uh you know, there's a spot for him somewhere as a a rotational front court player.
1: Yeah, and you know, he'll he'll be missing out on, on the Sixers summer league here, um, you know, starting I guess today, well the first mini camp was today. Um, you know, uh, JP Takoto, T J McConnell, uh Rashawn Holmes, uh, you know, th- there's some good talent in this Utah uh, Jazz Summer League, and then it's on to the Las Vegas Summer League where Arslan Kazemi is supposed to be playing, Vince Hunter, uh, Jordan McRae, Pierre Jackson. Um, you know, are are you excited to see kind of some of these names, um, you know, take another shot at the Sixters roster here? You know, we've seen what some of them can do in terms of, you know, product on the court over the past couple of years here. But I feel like all of them, um, besides the rookies, you know, haven't really gotten that true shot. You know, Pierre Jackson's been recovering from that torn Achilles um, for almost, I, I feel like, over a year now. So, you know, are you excited to see some of these guys just kind of make take another shot at it this summer and um, try to make the team once again?
0: Yeah, I mean it's always exciting to see prospects are on the fringe, you know, playing their hardest, trying to get on the team. I, I think anyone that's uh you know truly invested in the in the team and its success, like you and I, are, you know, like real 6 most Sixers fans are, then uh, you know, it's definitely exciting to watch some of those guys that you mentioned, especially a guy like a Pierre Jackson that's uh you know, had a great shot to maybe make the team last year before injury issues. And, uh, you know, same with a guy like Arslan Kazemi, it's uh you know, we've seen some of what he can do, but I mean, at the same time, I can't really like too much for me. The summer league is going to be all about Okafor. Um, you know, it's, it's for Sixers fans in general. It's going to be nice to be able to see your prize ticket, big name lottery guy just getting out out there, getting after it, you know, right away, not having to wait, um, you know, not having a wait a year like we have had the past couple of years with Noel missing, obviously, his first year of summer league and B now missing his first two summer leagues. You know, it's nice to just see a guy that's ready, gearing to go, can hit the gas and hit the ground running. Um, and, you know, especially a guy that has real star caliber like Okafor, um, for me it's just going to be, you know, I think really exciting to see him out there wearing a Sixers jersey um, and just see kind of how his skill set Obviously, summer league isn't necessarily representative of the regular season, um, but, you know, it'll be exciting to see how his skill set transfers over kind of to the, uh, you know, the NBA style of play, see how he he fits in with some of the other guys that are either on the team or hoping to be on the team. And, uh, you know, I'm just excited to see him out there. Of course, and you know, are, are you surprised Nerlens isn't
1: out there? And when do you kind of expect uh, you know Nick Stauskas
0: to to join them? Uh, I'm not surprised Nerlens isn't out there, to be honest with you. I think uh, you know I think he really demonstrated enough last season, both in terms of actual basketball play and also in terms of like health and durability-wise that. uh you know, he's he's good to go. He's he's going to be working hard this summer on his own. You know, I think he's back up in Boston for a little, a little while. And then, uh, you know, he'll be back with the team working out. Um, I don't think there's anything really to be gained from him playing in summer league this year. As the, You know, last year I thought it was really important that he get out there just to, you know, mentally kind of after a year on the shelf to just get his feet wet and get acclimated back to the, uh, you know, the game and also the NBA style of play. But, uh, you know, after a year in his belt that uh you know, with him just getting better increasingly throughout the year to the point at the end of the year where he looked you know not not dominant but well on his way, especially on the defensive end, and uh you know he was picking up picking things up on the offensive end a lot quicker than you know I think I and a lot of other people even expected him to, so uh you know there was really nothing to be gained from from him playing in summer league this year from you know at least from my perspective. And, uh, you know, as far as South, i I'm not sure. I, I would assume that they, they'd like to get him in summer league. I don't know exactly how that works as far as with the trade becoming official, um, you know, and him coming over to the Sixers, But, uh, you know, I would have to imagine that as soon as he's able to, and is able to come over and join the team, they'd like to get him out on the floor. And, uh, you know, especially with the, with Okafor playing, there's potential that those two guys will be, you know, pieces of the team going forward. They get a an early look at them together, and you know, early in the summer, and let the a relationship on court relationship start there. It would uh, you know, probably be beneficial. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on.
1: And Mike, you know, we're we're kind of running out of time here, but I wanted to talk about the point guard situation. You know, we touched on the shooting guards a bit, but, um, you know, do you see the Sixers going after, you know, any of these remaining point guard free agents here? You know, they added TJ McConnell to their summer league roster who had a great season for Arizona at the point guard spot. You know, many people have considered him maybe even one of the top five best uh, wildcat point guards ever. So, you know, there's obviously talent there in house. Um, and they could bring Ish Smith back as well, who, you know, had a great end of the season last year for the team. But is there any guy maybe out in free agency that that you're looking at right now to potentially bring in here?
0: You know, initially, a couple days ago, if if we had been talking about this, I I would have said yeah probably and and named a couple guys. But honestly, you know, at this point, I I don't think it's the team's M.O. I don't think – I don't think they feel it's necessary to go out and do that unless it, you know, uh, unless it would be in a similar situation to, you know, something like that. What happened with Stauskas last night? Not necessarily to that same extent, um, you know, to that same degree. But I don't think they would just go go out at this point and pick up a, uh, you know, just a, a free agent point guard just to have on the roster. Um, you know, as you mentioned, I think they think there's either some in house talent that they could use between, um, you know, if they bring Ish Smith back, who's a guy that started to play really well for them toward the end of last year. Him and Noel really started to gel together and, uh, you know, it was just quick and athletic. And, uh, you know, there's still obviously Isaiah Cannon, who I don't think anyone thinks is necessarily a, uh, you know, a real long-term answer, but there could be the, uh, you know, the chance that they want to get another look at him with a guy like Okafor, um, you know, demanding the ball in the post. Cannon obviously is uh, a guy that can spread the floor and knock down the shot. And then even someone like Pierre Jackson, who, uh, you know, who's uh, you know, a point guard that is playing for the summer league this year, they might be interested in giving him a, a longer look, say if he performs well in summer league, giving him a you know, a spot on the roster and letting uh letting those guys kinda play for the team for a little while and see how that works out. It's just uh you know, it just doesn't seem to be the MO of the team, uh, at this point to just add players for this for the sake of doing it with uh you know, they have potentially four first round picks next year um coming up they could you know there's there'll be some point guards in that draft and uh you know i think it's just something that you know it's taken a little while but it's something that's kind of coming to coming together organically i don't think sam's necessarily looking to fit puzzle pieces in at this point so i mean there's definitely the potential that they go out and get you know i've seen a lot of people clamoring clamoring for a uh, you know like Corey joseph type player for them to go out and sign just like a you know, a veteran point guard, mid-level guy that's solid with some experience. It, it wouldn't be crazy for them to do that, but at the same time, you know, I feel like they'll they'll just stick with a, uh, you know, stick with their guys that they have now and begin to ride it out. And then, uh, you know, if an opportunity to trade or acquire a, uh, you know, there's a lot of point guards in the in the league right now. A lot of big names that you know may become available down the road. And I think, you know, I think as we learned last night at midnight that, uh, you know, I think he's always keeping an eye open and always looking for opportunities and uh you know that's the point guard is obviously something that will need to be addressed um sometime sooner or later down the line.
1: Yeah, I mean it's becoming almost more and more evident that Sam Hinkey might not, you know, go after that that free agent that's out there. I, I mean Patrick Beverly was a guy that I kinda like, you know, very defensive, um, you know, skilled point guard from Houston. Um, in 2013, 14 season, he was, uh, on the defensive second team for the NBA and, you know, he hasn't had, uh, amazing stats at the position, you know, 10 points, four rebounds, three assists, but, you know, he also has been very injured throughout his career. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of red flags, I guess, when it comes to Beverly, but he has shown what he's capable of when he's healthy, um, you know, if they were to go after a point guard, do you feel like at this point he might be like the best available for them?
0: Yeah. I mean, if, if you're looking at it that way, he probably would be, you know, defensively too. He's a uh, player that can go both ways and would kind of fit in with what it seems like the vision of, uh, you know, Brett Brown has for his point guards. But, um, you know, there's, it's a pretty thin market at this point, um, you know, for free agents or point guards, especially in general. So, you know, he probably he probably would be the best option available. But, you know, like I said, I, I would be pretty surprised, uh, you know, if if another if the Sixers made another move like that to acquire to acquire an established veteran.
1: All right, Mike. Well, you know, thanks a lot for joining me on the show today. Once again, you know, this was the State of Independence podcast. Happy to talk free agency and the draft i'm your host Jeff McMenamin, alongside michael Kasky Blomain. follow us on the app stitcher and you know we'll catch you more next time with a lot more free agency news um, the the summer league and everything else relating to the sixers here but uh you know we'll we'll see you next time.
0: Thanks, Jeff. We'll talk Back to you. in nineteen eighty-two, man, it was real cool and school. cool. If we got good grades, I like trade up babes. The parents will take us to a seventy-six game. I got my game in the ain't no shame. Big shots, the mo cheeks and Moses Malone. Julian Server call Philly's home. Bobby Jones, David Orkins, and Tony Sinkin's freeze. Rocky Boba we'll come from South Philly. But if you wanna make it on time to the show, there's only one road that you really have to know so get to fish town without all that job. I suggest that you drive on I95. Wanna get downtown Feeling a fix Getting on that road They call 676 The most expensive expensive piece of Inner safety Ever made about us they Ain't famous, with But they got to game Getting on Getting on 76ers Traveled This very Bird